0: Jesus became a man in part so that God could experience what it was like to relate to God as a man. move on and let's talk a little bit about this idea of God the Father as Jesus is God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So as we mentioned earlier, Paul seems to go out of his way here to word this in such a way in which he calls God the Father, Jesus is God. And how are we to understand that? Jesus, of course, is equal with God. We know that God the Father is not superior to the Son in His essence or His power or His character. We know that the Son, the second person of the Trinity, has chosen to fill this, this submission sort of role as the Son, not because He's less than the Father, but because He takes delight in serving the Father as the Son does. But that doesn't mean that Jesus is any less God than God the Father. So how are we to understand this? We, we know it's not that Paul can't be saying that Jesus is somehow less than God, but at the same time, isn't that what it means to be God? By definition, isn't God that which nothing is higher than? It's hard to imagine God that still has something above him or some God above him. So, how are we to understand this? First of all, we know Paul's not saying that Jesus is less than God. If we were to turn to, to, if we want to, if we were to want to turn to one of Paul's epistles in which Paul affirms for us clearly and emphatically that Jesus is equal with God, then Ephesians would be a great one to turn to because at least four times Paul talks about the equality of Jesus with the Father. So how are we to understand this idea of Jesus referring to the Father as his God, or Paul, in this instance, referring to God the Father as Jesus as God? Well, this begins, this originates back in Matthew 27. And you're familiar with what's happening in Matthew 27. In Matthew 27, Jesus is on the cross. And as Jesus is on the cross, those words that he says, you know what the words are. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So let's think for a moment about the, the, the context or the perspective from which Jesus on the cross says to the Father, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? On the cross, Jesus is made to be sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he's made to be our sin so that he can die for our sin in our place, rising again, having defeated sin, by faith he extends to us the righteousness that was his. So Jesus on the cross is close to death, but it's important and it's helpful here to ask ourselves: as Jesus is about to die, who is about to die? Or to put it another way, who dies on the cross? Jesus, right? Which one? Not that there's two Jesuses, there's one Jesus. Jesus has two natures. Jesus is the only being ever to exist that has two natures. Every every Orthodox Christian confession acknowledges that Jesus has two natures, a divine nature and a human nature. His divine nature is equal with the Father in every way. His human nature is perfectly human. On the cross, Jesus' human nature died. God did not die on the cross. Sometimes we say that. We can get sort of, I don't know, inattentive to the words we use, but God did not die on the cross. God couldn't die on the cross. God can't die. If God died, the universe ceases to exist. God doesn't die on the cross. The perfect human Jesus dies on the cross. God made the perfect human Jesus to be our sin so that he, as the perfect sacrifice, dies for our sin. So as Jesus is about to die and he is proclaiming from the cross God's forsaking of him, he is speaking as the human Jesus, as the perfect man who knew no sin, but now he knows all sin. And because he now knows all sin, because God made him to be sin, his father forsakes him as the sinner that he now represents on the cross. So as Jesus is about to die, he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, a few days later, the resurrected Jesus meets with Mary. Now take a look at John 20. This is an important passage of Scripture here. Jesus said to her, to Mary, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to, look at that, my brothers, go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. Now Jesus sort of linguistically goes out of his way here to say that in such a way that's now different to our ears. We've never heard that before. My Father and your Father. My God and your God. So here the risen Jesus is saying to Mary, go and tell my brothers that I'm going to my father and your father and my God and your God. Jesus became a man in part so that God could experience what it was like to relate to God as a man. Jesus, as God, who has existed for God for eternity, knows all things, has always known all things. Jesus knows everything there is to know about being God. But Jesus has never experienced what it is like to serve a perfect God as a perfect servant. There's several things that God had not experienced until Jesus became a man. God had not experienced suffering. God had not experienced temptation. And God had not experienced relating to God as the perfect servant in perfect relationship to Him. And so as Jesus becomes the perfect man, He now relates to God as the unique Son who is in perfect relationship with the perfect God and here's this perfect relationship between a sovereign and his servant that had not existed since Adam and Eve took of the fruit. This, this relationship as God, the perfect sovereign, loving and relating to his perfect servant, his perfect subject. And so Jesus experiences the Father as the perfect subject of the Father, relating to the perfect God as the perfect servant. We know that Jesus was unique in His sonship, don't we? John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. Or John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So we know that Jesus's sonship to his father was unique. It was unique in the sense he's the only son, the only begotten son. And it's also unique in the sense that he was the perfect subject, the perfect servant, the perfect worshiper. And now that Jesus is a man, God has experienced what it's like to serve him as the perfect subject. Now, Jesus becomes our sin and dies and rises again so that by faith, we too can have that same relationship. Because you see, apart from Jesus, there is only one relationship that we have with God. And that is the relationship of his enemy. Apart from Christ, the only relationship we can have with God is as his enemy. Because our sin has, as the prophet Isaiah says, created a barrier between us. It has created enmity between us and God. And though God loves us, though God desires for us to be in relationship with Him, our sin has separated us from Him. And so apart from Christ, we can only know God as the sovereign being who rules over us, whom we have offended with our sin. It is only Because Jesus knows God as God that we can now know God as God. And when I say as God, I don't mean as the supreme being. When I say Jesus knows God as God, what I mean is Jesus knows God as not only the sovereign being, but the loving, caring, compassionate God in which He takes delight to serve Do you see how this connects back with blessing God? That's why Paul says, bless be the God and father. Paul can only bless God because he now has the relationship with God that Jesus had. And Paul only has that relationship because Jesus had that relationship because Jesus as the unique son of God had this unique relationship with God, servant to God. Servant to sovereign, subject to ruler. And now, Shaul, Paul, now has that same relation. And so his heart can now bless God with goodwill toward him because he no longer has this relationship of enmity. Think about Jesus' special sonship, how the scriptures talk about Jesus' special sonship. Think of John chapter 3 and verse 35. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hand. You know, John is really, he really zeroes in on showing us the unique sonship of Jesus. Listen to John 5 verse 19. So Jesus said to them, Truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of His own accord, but only what He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. Can you hear in that just this type of relationship between the unique Son and the Sovereign that has not existed anywhere else until the Son came? Or listen to John 4, verse 34. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me to accomplish His work. The Scriptures speak to us clearly about Jesus's unique relationship to his father. But Jesus as the perfect man knew God as the perfect father. Not as the powerful ruler whom I have offended, but as the sovereign king who delights in me and I delight in him. And so Jesus says to Mary, don't cling to me yet. Because I'm going to my God and your God. Because we're brothers now. Not in the sense that Mary is going to become divine or anything like that. But they're brothers in the sense that the human Jesus and the human Mary now share the same God. A God with whom there is no enmity. Romans 8, verse 1, there is no, now forward, now there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So this relationship between God, the perfect sovereign and the perfect subject, came to us by way of Jesus. Look at verse 4. This is where Paul's going. Let me just show you where he's going. Even as he, God the Father, chose us in him, Jesus the Son, before the foundation of the world, that we, meaning the Jewish believer, should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ. This Remember we talked about union with Christ and how it is just flooded with this, and this whole passage is flooded with this idea of union with Christ. Because of union with Christ, we now have adoption so that the unique son and his unique relationship to the father is ours. Not, not because we're the unique son, but because we've been adopted as sons also by the spirit who seals you for the same inheritance as ours, Paul says in verse 15. Remember what he says in Romans chapter 8? This It is by the spirit that causes us to cry out, what? Abba, Father. Union with Christ brings to us this new relationship of perfect subject to perfect sovereign. So you can't pass by this section of Scripture without asking, is that your relationship with the Father? Is your relationship with the Father one of adoption into the unique sonship so that your heart, having now the hostility removed, can bless God with goodwill toward Him? All souls will spend eternity serving God. We will either do it with enmity or with delight. Now, one final question for us to ask. Just to look ahead just a little bit. We ask the question, why these three words? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. You you have to notice there how Paul uses the same word three times. Blessed, blessing, blessing. It's the same word in three different forms. Now, Paul is a wordsmith. He doesn't say the word blessing three times because he didn't think of anything else. He, He just left us to the Zara's back in Corinth, and he's in Rome now, and so he can't think of any other words, so he just uses the same word three times. No. Why does he use this same word three times? Speaking of us blessing God and how God has blessed us. And here's why. Paul wants you to see plain and clear that when the perfect son who has the perfect relationship with God now by faith, the same Spirit has sealed you for the same inheritance. You can now bless God as He blesses you. Each time God sends blessings to you, He wants us to automatically think of speaking good words back to Him. Like this cycle: God blesses us, we bless Him. He blesses us, we bless Him. It's like a it's like a, an eternal mirror. You know, you ever hold a mirror up to a mirror? And it's this little tunnel thing, the the mirror reflects the mirror reflects the mirror, reflects the mirror, reflects the mirror and on and on. It's like that as God for eternity in this life too, but for eternity as God pours his blessings upon us, he wants our instinctive reaction to be to speak good words with goodwill back toward him. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Truth That Transforms with pastor and Bible teacher Jason Wilkerson. Truth That Transforms is the daily teaching broadcast of Disciples Fellowship Church. We invite you to visit our website where you will find more resources to help in your journey of discipleship. You can find us at www.disciplesfellowshipnc.com or connect with our Facebook page at Facebook/disciplesfellowshipnc. truth that transforms exists to glorify Jesus Christ through the teaching of his sanctifying and disciple-making word.